This is an ABC podcast. Can you be more Pacific? On ABC Radio Australia. Fakalo Falahia too, and welcome to Can You Be More Pacific? I'm Dean Hallatow, and once again I'm joined in studio by my media bestie, Sarah Ngama. Bula Dean and Bula to all of our listeners. Yes, it is amazing to be back in the studio for another week. We've got a jam-packed show for you. We'll have a chat to the voice of Rugby League, Andrew Moore. We have a new question for our favourite segment, You Can Ask That. Plus, we have a new topic to discuss on Play On or On Report. But as always, we need to start with how our week is going. So Hala, take us into what's been happening. Week's been good. My, my kids started uh, their first round of rugby league last weekend. All so, three? Uh, well, two of them are playing. Okay. Um, one of them's not. But my, my youngest, Louis, he got a couple of tries in his first game. I, I bribed him before the game because he's kind of one of those kids that gets out there and goes, eh, if I want to do it, I will. If not, I'll just walk around and hang out with my mates. Um, but I said to him, I said, if you score a try, make a tackle or have a run. I didn't, didn't have to be scoring a try, but I said, I'll, I'll give you a lolly for everything, every involvement you had in the game. So he's running around, looking at me the whole game, trying to tackle. Then he's just going up, to pestering the coach to have a run. He's like, "I want to have a run, mate. You can't be selfish. You've got to. It's got to be shared." But like, I was happy that he was trying to get involved, and he had a great game. He scored a couple of tries and made like four or five tackles. So he had a good bounty after the game. I went, we went to a the good shop. Bounty, and, uh, yeah. He cleaned up, and he and he kept reminding me to half time. He comes off, goes, "Dad, did you see? Did you see?" <laughs> so yeah, so I'm, I'm keeping tally. It's all good. So he loved it. Um, but yeah, that was that was round one of rugby league. It's kicking like all junior sport kicking off around the country, so it's it's great to see all the families out in the weekend. Love it. What about you, Sarah? Big story. Anything new happening? Well, Louis definitely had more success in his game than I did because <laughs> I don't think I made as many tackles. But uh, I unexpectedly got pulled into the twenty three last week. Uh, one of our girls had an injury, so. At the beginning of the week, it was a no, you'll be looking to come on against Melbourne Rebels, which is our fixture for this week. And then, you know, get a bit of a call. Can we move things around? Go get cleared. And so I was very, very happy to play with the Tars on the weekend against the Queensland Reds. But I have to say, I have not played footy since Opiki. And I haven't even clocked a full 40 since World Cup. So when I tell you, Hala, I was blowing. <laughs> I was blowing. At the, to the point I was under the ruck at one point and one of the Queensland girls was lying on top of me, Annabelle Cody, also at Wallaroo. And she goes to me, oh, says, I'm tired. I said, yeah, I know, me too. I'd only been on for about four minutes, I think, at that point. <laughs> so the lungs have a bit of work to do, but uh, it was a very close picture. It ended up being 31 to 30. And historically, Queensland Reds have never come that close to us. So it was a, a bit of a scare, but very happy to, to clutch our, our win against them. And uh, yeah, we go again this weekend in Melbourne. It's funny how there's nothing like match fitness, right? So you, when you were training with Opiki over, over in New Zealand, like you said you were training hard. You're in a like... Semi, pretty much a, a full time yeah. setup where you, you, you're probably working yourself really hard off the field, but then if you don't get the game in, it's it's really hard to catch up. Hundred percent, you can be the person that leads in the F45 class, leading in a wad in a gym. As soon as you go into the field, it is a different ball game altogether. <laughs> and it was so funny last night. I was at training, and my coach like saw me, like literally launched my puffer at me, and he goes, "Sarah." have this. It's <laughs> like, yeah, okay, cool. Thanks, Uncle Shawnee. But yeah, that's, uh, that's enough about me. What's happening in the world of sport at the moment? Well, let's kick off with football. Football Federation Samoa is leading to push um, a, a growth in that sport. And so far, it's been hugely successful through their Just Play initiative. Yeah, it's great to see that the messaging behind this initiative, Just Play, is not just about getting children or participants in, in football itself, but also 
providing good messages to the community around health and um, other social issues. So it's a it's a, ro- a wider reaching program rather than just focusing on football. Obviously, they want to get their participation numbers up and grow the sport. Um, but as we know, participating in any sport as a youngster is is great for health. It's great for community because it brings people together. And uh, I think it's great that they're um, taking these steps to grow participation in football in Samoa. Yeah, and I think the way that they've gone about the initiative is quite strong, that they've linked with churches and sporting organisations because obviously faith is a big thing and anything that comes out of the church, dare I say, is mostly trusted by the Pacifica community. But what I also really love about this is that the FFS has provided equipment um, to each of these, um, I guess, organisations so that they can be quite practical with the way that they run it. So it's a a really smart move from them and no doubt numbers will grow um, because of their efforts. Now, sticking with football in Samoa and the FFS is also looking to develop um, referees that they want to invest in and put some time into becoming professional referees. They already have two um, Samoan referees that are certified uh, with FIFA as international referees, and they want to make sure that there's pathways uh, for local talent to go through the ranks of refereeing and also reach the same level of accreditation, which I think is awesome. And as the president of the Referee Association, this must make you quite proud. <laughs> yes, it's it's a thankless job, they say at times, refereeing and umpiring. And um, I think creating opportunities where you can earn a career, like gain a career from um, officiating. If, if someone loves a sport that perhaps they don't get a, a playing career in, but there's an opportunity through refereeing and officiating, it's you often hear referees say that it's the best thing you can do if you love the sport so much that you're right in amongst the action. You see it unfold in front of your eyes. It's the best seat in the house. So again, well done FFS for uh, for making that move. Yes. Turning our attention to Tonga Rugby Union, they recently ran some training for sports medics uh, for some locals to help them recognise play injuries in contact sports. Yeah. And uh, the program is immediate care in rugby, um, but obviously this is crossing over into all, all collision sports. Um, and it was held on the 14th of April. They had a doctor from Queensland Rugby Union uh, head over to help run the um, the sessions and obviously in a collision sport or in any collision sports there's, there's a high risk of injury the, the the main injuries that they're dealing with or that they're, they're concerned about in, in terms of management are cervical spine injuries also bad head injuries and femur fractures so um, creating some uh, programs that help upskill local medical um, personnel to deliver um, or sorry to manage these injuries safely is, is super important this happens in in most sports here in Australia and it, it may be taken for granted uh, that, that it does go on but um, critical care for, for those types of injuries is, is really important it's great that Tonga Rugby Union has recognized the need to continually upskill I'm sure they had things in place prior to this but um, bringing in experts from from around the world to deliver these programs is, is really important. A piece I just want to touch on is the early recognition when players are on the field can ultimately be the difference. So it's such crucial training that should not be underestimated. And I think this is a really, really clever move to protect the players within the game also. Yes, it is. Now, sticking with Rugby Union in the region and um, Samoa is preparing to host the World Rugby Pacific Challenge next month, which is going to be the first time in 13 years that an international rugby event is held uh, in the island. This to me is really exciting. We recently saw Moana Pacifica head over to Samoa for the first time where they hosted their first Super Rugby Pacific game. And the fact now that some of the top players throughout the world are going to head over to the region and play the game that they play in heaven, to me, is the most exciting thing. But what this also 
also means for Samoa is the economic, um, I guess, growth that they will gain from this. And also it'll give people the experience of Samoa. It's a beautiful place. I've never been myself, but I always think about like this. There's like this hole, like this water waterfall hole. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yes, I've seen it. I've seen it often. If you know, you know. Yeah, yeah. It's like this little iconic spot. But um, no, I think this is hugely exciting. Um, there'll be some international um, A teams and the likes of Fiji, Japan, Tonga and Samoa. So this is all happening out of Apia and it'll run between the 3rd to the 13th of May. So no doubt becoming those fixtures. Yes. And uh, as you said, very positive for local tourism to, to get that attention, having an international sporting event hosted in country. Now, Sticking with Rugby Union and in the lead up to cultural round in the Super Rugby Pacific next week, uh, Fiji and Drua have released their or unveiled their cultural jersey for the match against the Blues, which uh, Sarah, what's your impression of the jersey? Yeah, it's very beautiful. I think any time that teams put out a cultural jersey that represents who they are, the people in the team, really does resonate. And their jersey is no different. It incorporates a series of Fijian Masi motifs um, created by a renowned local artist, Anare Sumumu. The head of athletic performance, Naveli Dawanimbuka, says that they wanted um, to create motifs that spoke to the values of Fijian draw, which are relentlessness, integrity and discipline. So the fact that the boys are going to be wearing this against a formidable side, like the Auckland Blues, I think is going to be something to look out for because it's really special. Um, and a culture jersey, second year of the competition, doesn't really get better than that. Yeah, and we've spoken at length before about the uh, representation of Pacifica players in both rugby formats, and no doubt next week we're going to see uh, a lot of um, cultural um, representation from across the Pacific through all teams because we know that there's so many, and um, it's great to see Fiji and uh, sorry Fiji and Drua um, releases this week in preparation for that. Well said. Now, Hala, I think you can speak a little bit to this, but World Rugby will trial a television match official, a.k.a. TMO Bunker, concept um, aimed at reducing stoppages in the game in the lead-up to World Cup, which will be held in France later this year. Yeah, obviously, um, this is something... uh any technology that aids in the decision-making process in any sport is, is, is useful and World Rugby, no doubt, want to make sure that at their biggest competition that they run, the World Cup... <coughs> excuse me, that they have, um, they have this support available and not just for refereeing decisions, but also um, for foul play. We've seen that play out in the Super Rugby when foul play goes up to the TMO. Uh, the referee on field might decide that it's a yellow card, but upon review, they can be elevated to a red card. Um, this is something that, as you said, is going to be trialled out at the Under-20 Championships in South Africa in June um, with the aim that that no doubt will be uh, implemented in the World Cup over in France at the end of the year. So um, this is a big move. I think also there's there's um, some chat around having um, independent doctor support as well um, through the TMO um, infrastructure or the technology that they use. So that's going to be an added uh, support for player safety, which I think is, is great. What do you think about um, using TMO, Sarah? I think it's, um, it's, it's, it's a right move. I think I have a little bit of a annoyance with this because right now in Super W, we don't use TMO in our regular round games. They're only brought in for finals. So to me, I think, okay, that's well and lovely that you're going to practice it at uh, the under 20 championship in South Africa. But what about your girls that are playing or semi-professionally here at home? So for me, while I think it's a fantastic thing, it needs to be implemented at every level of the game. Um, And for the reasons that's mentioned, it eliminates foul play. It makes the right decisions on the field. Um, And yeah, for me, I just like to see that applied also to the women's game at every level um, before we take it also to the under 20 championship, you know? 
just a little yeah. bit of fair play. That's my thing. But uh, I'm I'm so in agreement um, agreement with it. It needs to happen. Um, TMO creates a safer game, and I want to be part of a safer game. So it'd just be nice to see it happen at again every level. Point well made, Sarah. I agree with you. Now flipping over to NRL and across uh, earlier in the week, I should say, um, there's there's been uh, some some chat around online abuse, uh, often through social media, which um, we know occurs in most professional sports and. Um, the article that I'm that I'm speaking about comes from Code Sports and it directly speaks to Latrell Mitchell and Cody Walker who have come out and said there needs to be more done from a, I guess, a regulatory point of view around uh, stamping out social media abuse. Uh, if if there's any abuse that's made face to face, people can be held to account for that. Um, but when it happens over social media, there's less stringent laws around it, and um, there's a push, obviously, from athletes to make sure they're they're, they're more well protected. Um, Sarah, what's your thoughts on social media abuse and the way that it's sort of coming across at the moment in sport? I hate that it exists and I think people often underestimate the impact that it has on players. But for people like Latrell Mitchell um, and Cody Walker to speak out, um, it really does raise an awareness around it. And I just want to share some statistics around it. So as we know, both of these men are of Indigenous heritage. And Social Project, they published this report um, from an investigation and basically it says that Indigenous athletes and high-profile female athletes receive inappropriate racist and sexist comments on average every two days. NRL players receive abusive comments every three days and a negative comment posted on social media gains 12 times, 12 times the traction of a positive comment. So you look, you hear that, sorry, and you hear just how harmful these things are. So people genuinely need to be held accountable. Like ban people from the game. Like how, I, I mean, I, I don't really know what the, the answer is. You know, we can sit here and say you, you should stop it. It's not kind, blah, blah, blah. But until we put or force a really strong or heavy hand on punishment on people that um, I guess are the perpetrators of this kind of abuse, it's going to continue. And it's so, so harmful. It's a really sad reality of, of, of social media at the moment. And look, this is this is still going on. Latrell Mitchell actually reported to to the police back in 2021, and they were jailed for those uh, for those comments, racist comments, and um, and death threats. So um, you're right, Sarah. It's it's so poor that it actually happens, and uh, the, the sooner that we can have some rules or some regulations in place that that stamp it out, the better, because it's it's unnecessary. I can't believe that. What was the stat around negative comments get how much more attention? Twelve Pop- times more traction. Uh, it says a little bit about. Um, Society, society's negativity bias. I think the the word is that you are looking for the the bad, the stuff. bad stuff rather than the good stuff. But um, that's beside the point. It shouldn't be happening at all. To end on a lighter note, Roxy Murdoch Masilla, she has signed with the Dragons. But what we love about this story is she's the wife of Ben Murdoch Masilla, which means that these two will be the first couple to play for the Dragons. Yeah, this is awesome. Uh, a great story, and um, it. It's only happened, there's, there's something that's happened similar a few years ago, 2018, 18 or 19, I think it was Isaiah Papali'i and his mother, Lorena uh, Papali'i, they they both played for the Warriors. So that's uh, cool. that was a bit of history in the making there. But uh, this is, the, as you said, the first time that a husband and wife will represent the same club in the premier competitions, which uh, yeah, which is awesome. And, and Ben spent a bit of time overseas, came back to the NRL and um, went to the Warriors, now at the Dragons. He's sort of a, a journeyman in rugby league and he's towards the end of his career. Um, so hopefully they're, they're both taking the field on, on a doubleheader day where both Dragons teams are playing. It'll be um, an awesome moment for their family. And if they take a photo, that will be my social for the week. Talanoa time on Can You Be More Pacific? 
Our very special guest today on Talanoa Time is the voice of Rugby League here on the ABC and a good friend of the show, Mr. Andrew Moore. Very special guest. Might be a bit too far, Dana. How you going, mate? I'm very well, thank you. Good to have you here. How are you going? How's things good. in your world? Yeah, good. The footy's been awesome over the first seven rounds and uh, the crowds have been great. Um, there's been enough controversy to keep us chatting away. So, <laughs> no, so far so good. Yeah, you, you talk about no, not enough, sort of, there's, there's not a lot of controversy going on at the moment, but enough to keep us ticking. I, I was reading an article the other day about um, how the game is travelling along so nicely that there's nothing really to complain about. Has is, is it been that way for yourself? Pretty much. The, I mean, the only big talking point, apart from the quality of the footy in the last few weeks, has been the hip drop tackle and people trying to work out exactly what that is. And I think if I tried to explain it to you, I'd <laughs> fall over myself 14 different times. So... That's been about it. I, th- I think basically the games have been refereed pretty well. I think that the slight adjustments they made in the off-season have made for such a quick competitive game. Even the bad games have enough momentum swings that are so dramatic that they're still fun to watch. Just even, even something as little as the referee call, calling held and release very quickly together as opposed to a few-second gap has just sped the game up enormously but in a really good way. I, I love where it's at and I... I would love no more tinkering for a while. Maury, firstly, lovely to see you. Sarah, great to see you. Mate, it's been a minute. It's been a minute. I know. Seven rounds of NRL. What is taking you by surprise so far? Oh, Dolphins, definitely. Yes, I want to talk about them. Um, I looked at their roster and they're 1-17, they're even going into that first round where they upset the Roosters. Looks pretty good. But there are some ageing players there that I think the Melbourne Storm judiciously decided to let go, particularly Jesse Bromwich and Felice Cafusi. And while Felice has been suspended before he was, he was playing outstanding footy. And Jesse Bromwich has proved himself to be a very good leader there as, as the captain of the Dolphins. And even as their depth has been tested with injuries and suspension, they're still showing their character that they need, you need to play really well to beat them. And uh, last start, they got hammered in the end by South on the scoreboard, but they led by eight at half time and, and showed, showed some resilience against real quality opposition. So they, they're definitely my surprise packet, but up and down the table... You've got, what, at least half of the clubs that were in the top eight this year that are struggling down in the lower half, um, and that's great news for the clubs that have usurped them, at least for the time being. So I think the results are so far different to what we would have expected going into this year from last year that keeps it exciting. Staying with the Dolphins, coming into this season, I definitely counted them out thinking it's your first year in a competition that's so well established. I don't think you're going to be competitive, yet they've obviously surprised all of us. What do you think is making them tick at the moment? I think the coach has a fair bit to do with it, Wayne Bennett. Um, I don't quite draw a parallel to when Melbourne came into the comp in 98 because they were instantly good, but they had a great roster. And at the time they had an elite coach in Chris Anderson and great leadership with the likes of Glenn Lazarus at the club. But they, they had a really good roster and they made the finals in their first year and won the comp in their second year when they beat St. George Illawarra in the grand final in, in 1999. I, I don't think the Dolphins have anywhere near that roster, but Wayne Bennett, with everyone saying that this team is headed for the wooden spoon or at least the bottom two or three in the comp, he's used that to galvanise this team, and Wayne Bennett loves enough us-against-them scenario. And the leaders have stood up. Some of their experienced players like Jesse and... Uh, Felice Cafusi and Kenny Bromwich, who's now suspended himself. Jeremy Marshall King is a hooker they picked up from Canterbury-Bankstown, Benji's brother, um, and he's been a decent first grader, and I think he was better than that last year, but he's gone to a whole new level this year. Um, they've got a young 5'8 they picked up from Penrith, Isaiah Katoa, who's, who's very exciting. Everyone just seems to be doing their job, mm. and whether that is sustainable for 27 rounds, I still have doubts, but 
they've shown what they're going to be, and that is a, a hard team to beat that you're going to have to play really well to beat them. So it's exciting, and the support they've got, the fins up, the fins down, all that stuff <laughs> has been awesome and uh, supplying great crowds in Brisbane or wherever they play. So that's that's been really exciting. But, yeah, I, th- I think the coach has a lot to do with that. Well, you mentioned uh, the the good and, and the surprise packets. What about uh, any teams or anything that's been a real disappointment Cowboys. so far? Uh, there we go. Cowboys. Didn't even get through the question. It was Cowboys. I, only because my hopes are so high for them. And last year, I think they were one of the joys of the competition. Um, to see them go from no expectation with all these young players and Tom Dean and Chad Townsend in the halves. Are you kidding me? They ended up being one of the best halves combination in the comp last year. And Tom Dearden played a starring role for Queensland and Origin 3 in, in Brisbane last year on debut. So I just expect so much of them. But they just seem to have been a bit disjointed with Jordan McLean's been out for a little bit and Jeremiah Nanai's been out for a little bit. Uh, Scott Drinkwater was out for a little bit. They let go, I think, they were crazy to let Hamaso Tabiwai Fadeh go to the Dolphins, who's now re-signed until he's, what, 55 or something? Until, <laughs> uh, what, 2027, I think. Yes, that's for right. The Long Hammer. He's one of the most exciting players in, in the competition, but it just hasn't gelled for them. And I know it didn't at the start of last year, but where you weren't worried about them that much last year because they're a bit off the radar. They're on the radar this year with an established coach now in Todd Payton. So I still expect them to come back, but they've been very disappointing. The two clubs Dino was really intrigued about seeing this year were Canterbury, Bankstown and the West Tigers, and that's not just because you played with both of them. Canterbury I really am bleeding for because of the injuries they've had. That toll is massive, and losing stars like Viliami Kikau and Josh Adokar for extended periods doesn't help, and they've, they've copped a couple of tickle-ups. West Tigers... I, I'll just address this to Sarah. Yeah, I feel like I it's only about to give him your back. I can't even say this to Dino because I like him too much, but they've been an abomination, and I think wow. it's going to get worse and worse and worse and worse. Well, then turning our attention to something much uh, lighter Sorry, and, Dan, more, love you. and more positive, yeah. players that have stood out to you, any rookies that have come through the system and you think, heck, you're going to be here for a little while? Oh, gee, we, we always seem to have so many, Sarah. Um. Boy, that's a great that's as I could tell the one I mentioned from the Dolphins, they're five eight. Mm. He's only nineteen. I mean what what he's shown so far indicates to me that he's everything that he promised to be when he was a kid coming up through Penrith. And the Dolphins were really excited to get him. So he would be an immediate standout. I don't know whether he counts as a rookie, but Reese Walsh at Brisbane, he's still only very young in his early twenties. And I I don't know about your Dean. I, I had my doubts as to how good he was going to be. His talent is not in any question, but his ability to get everything right off-field and on-field, uh, he's been a revelation at Brisbane to the point where after Kalen Ponga was so good for Queensland in origin last year, given good health, it's a toss-up whether Reese Walsh usurps him in that fullback role in 2023. So even though he's not technically a rookie, it just he's been one of the most exciting players in the comp. I've loved what he's done up there at Brisbane. I think having Adam Reynolds in in the side, one of the things I noticed with him last year was that he was trying to find the balance between being the game breaker and, mm. and when to take those moments or sitting back and letting the team do its thing. And I think he's found that at the Broncos, having a, like a strong half uh, in Adam Reynolds. And, and I'm really enjoying the way he's playing as well. Staying with the Broncos, how have you enjoyed, like obviously 
they're at the top of the table, so it's easy to talk about them. But they've had a really tough couple of years, and this year it seems to be all falling into place. And it's not just on the field, but off the field. You've had a couple of players really questioning the coaching ability of Kevy Walters, and all of a sudden he can coach this year, um, which is always interesting to me. But they just seem to have such a, a really good blend of these exciting young players. And if Payne Haas is still a young player, he's been off the charts good to start this season. Uh, we mentioned Reese Walsh. Adam Reynolds is the key to everything they do, I think. And the fact that he's been fit so far is huge for them. But I, I think they've got the best centre combination in the game and Katoni Staggs and Herbie Farnworth have both been playing uh, elite footy. Selwyn Cobo's been good, but they're forwards. Patrick Carrigan's been outstanding again and Payne Haas and they're just getting enough. Jordan Rickey seems to have um, become a lot more consistent than he had been. He, he seems to be moving from potential to confirmed ability. Um, they just have a really nice blend. Their defence has been good. They're exciting to watch in attack. You would never feel comfortable with a lead against them, I don't think. Um, and it, you just get the feeling that given reasonable health that it's sustainable. I, I can't imagine them not being good all year. Mm. Seven rounds gone. They look very contemplative of you, Sarah. <laughs> yeah, well, I was, just, I was just taking in everything you were saying. Right. Seven, uh, sorry, seven rounds gone. Looking forward um, for the next seven, I guess. What do you think will come out of the NRL? It's going to be interesting with teams like Parramatta and the Cowboys to see whether they can kick on. Um, I've called Parramatta's last two wins over the West Tigers and Canterbury Banks down again. Sorry, Dean, I'll just face there. <laughs> um, and while, while they've won the games, to me they still are not overly impressive. I've, mm. I've got real question marks about their back line and how well that's going to gel um, because their forward pack's fine and now they've got Sean Lane back. Um, he's had a couple of runs and Ryan Madison's been back after the first few weeks where he's suspended. Jermaine Hopgood is outstanding and I, I really like their young hooker that they've just re-signed, Brendan Hands. And to me, they're a lot sharper with him there than Josh Hodgson last week, who I love as a footballer, but he can't run anymore. And so there's no threat out of dummy half. And I, I don't know whether Shop agrees, but I... I don't know that you can be an elite team without a dummy half that can at least put that question mark in the opposition defence. And Josh Hodgson, as great as he's been, that last uh, ACL really seems to have slowed him down. And I, I'm not sure how sustainable that is with Brendan Hands at least providing some spark, but he's going to have to get more and more game time. So f for me to answer your question, Sarah, it's going to be some of these clubs that are struggling, Parramatta and the Cowboys, if they can find a gear that they can be challengers again. And also St George Illawarra, what happens with their coach? Mm -hmm. And the West Tigers down the bottom, what happens to them? If, if they, my worst fears are realised, they're locked into a five-year game plan. I don't know what they do. It's going to be an interesting uh, next seven weeks, no doubt, for the teams that you mentioned. Uh, who was your pick for the grand finalists or the, the eventual premiers at the start of the season? I couldn't go past Penrith just because... I still feel the same way after seven rounds. Someone's going to have to show they can beat them other than Parramatta in a regular season game. They're the only team that can do that with any regularity, and they did it again with a Mitch Moses extra time field goal. But Penrith still have this character about them, even though they've taken a while to get their attack in place without Kikau and Kroosau, they... They, I mean, we talk about the Dolphins, you need to really beat them. Penrith has never beaten them. Uh, any, Newcastle beats any other team last week, but they played Penrith. They led 14-6, but you always thought Penrith could come back. They couldn't play worse than they did in the first half, but they're only down by eight. And when Tyson Gamble kicked a field goal for the Knights with three minutes to go, the first thought I had was, not that it was too soon to kick a field goal, but it's too soon to celebrate because Nathan Cleary will level this up, given any opportunity. Yeah, wow. And he did. 
And as soon as Penrith got the ball first and extra time, he thought if they get anywhere near the 40-metre line of the opposition, this game's over. One minute into extra time and he knocked over a 39-metre field goal. He's the best clutch, most clutch player in the game, I think, by some way, Nathan Cleary. So if they stay close in games, which they're more than capable of doing, I, I still think they're the best team in the comp. Well, sorry, I thought you were looking at me. <laughs> That's all right. Well, Maury, before we let you go... Dean just <clears throat> had a West Tigers moment, it's all right. <laughs> I like that. Dean had a West Tigers moment. I don't. <laughs> sorry, sorry, Dina. Maury, it's been so great to catch up and talk all things NRL. Before we let you go, we'd love to run a segment with our guest, Quatipon. I'm sure you're well accustomed to this game, but if sure. you were down to play, 60 seconds of rapid-fire questions. Hit me. Don't think, just answer. That's my best attribute is not thinking. <laughs> <laughs> thinking you die. Yeah. All right, the clock is on. What is your middle name? Scott. Would you ever try stand-up comedy? No. What would be your spy name? Ooh, ooh, this is going to delay the clock. Herman. <laughs> what reality TV show would you go on? I'm too scared to go on any of the good ones. Dancing with Stars. Have you ever Not been really. in love? Yes. What scares you? Everything. Spiders, snakes, any insect. Love it. What's your favourite drink? Bourbon. What would the title of your autobiography be? Gibra. What is your favourite colour? Blue. What is your... Oh, sorry, he was your sporting hero. This is going too fast for your questions, isn't it? <laughs> sporting hero was Steve Mortimer. What song do you play to make you feel good? You're the voice, John Farmer. What was your first concert? Ooh, first concert was The Angels and Dragon, two big Aussie bands. Who is your celebrity crush? Celebrity crush? I've got so many. Jennifer Aniston. Favourite place you've travelled to? Fiji. Love it. That's pretty good. Dancing with the Stars. Oh, that was a panic. It's out, dumb, but it's I, I haven't now. heard that. Uh, I haven't heard that in a long time. Uh, Dancing look, with the Stars. I, my favourite reality TV show, bar none, is Survivor. I oh, love yeah. Survivor. Do you think you could last out there on the island? I, I'd, str- I'd struggle. I I'm so, would be so out of my element. It'd be one I'd... I'd be prepared to give a go to, but I think I'd be dreadful at the challenges. <laughs> dreadful at what, the challenges. I think you'd be strategic, though. Yeah, I, I feel like you'd be the strategic It'd type. have to be a social game. Yeah. That, you know, one of those people that can make the final three without really doing anything. But I think it'd be, <laughs> I think it'd be a social game. One of, one of our colleagues on Grandstand Rugby League, Luke Lewis, is a survivor nut, and he will do anything to get on that show. I reckon he'll end up on it over the next couple of years. And I shouldn't give it away, but his tactic is to basically be the silent thief and just create absolute havoc, yet play a strong in-your-face social game, not being one of the, you know, how in these these um, shows there's a group of three or four, you know, heavy, strong dudes who all get together. That never, ever works. So he wouldn't play that game, but he'd just create havoc on the camp and hopefully get away with it. And he's a bit of a magician. He probably could. He'd either go out first or he'd make the final. It would be one of the three. But he'd still win all the challenges too. He could win every challenge. <laughs> yeah. I yeah. love the belief. He's put on like 10 kilos of pure muscle since he retired. Yes. He's just prepping for Survivor now. He is. His life is prepping for Survivor. <laughs> I mean, he's a weirdo, but he, he would be great at that game. Well, I, think. I can't wait to see both of you on it together. That would be uh, entertaining, no doubt. Yeah, Dancing with the Stars was a real character. <laughs> I, I cannot dance at all. But that's Zero. the point of the show. You go on and learn how to dance. Yeah, I'm not sure how good I'd be. So I'd, if I could change one, I'd be that to Survivor. But, again, I'd be hopeless at the time. That's challenge. locked in and it's happening. I'm a better watcher than I am a competitor. <laughs>
Well, Andrew, thanks very much for joining us on the show once again. Great to get your insights on the season so far, and uh, no doubt we'll get you on as the season progresses for an update. Anytime, Dino. Sarah, great to see you. Always a pleasure. You can ask that. Your chance to ask what it's really like to be an elite athlete on Can You Be More Pacific? Yes, we're back with another week of You Can Ask That. I recently received a DM on Instagram from Tom and he asked us, Hala, what is the best and worst piece of advice you received? It's a good question. I started racking my brain trying to think about all the pieces of advice I've got in my life. Lots and lots. Everyone gets lots of pieces of advice. I give a lot of advice. It doesn't often land where it's supposed to land. But (laughs) when I was thinking about the best piece of advice that I got, and, and this is like, it's a bit of a weird one the way that it's said, but it's embarrass yourself for training so you don't embarrass yourself on the field. And Ooh, that was I like from, that. From one of my former teammates who I used to do a lot of extras with. So he used to drag me after training to go do extras with him. And that was why he said, we'd do it. We'd do the extras at training so that come game time, we're ready to go and ready to perform. So it wasn't necessarily about being embarrassed in itself because you're going to get embarrassed at, at many times on the football field, but it was about doing the work, working hard to make sure that you were as prepared as you possibly could be to take the field. And uh, I like that sat in the back of my mind and it was probably from my very first year in first grade. So that's uh, now 20 years ago that I can still remember him saying that to me clearly. He's dragging me over to do extras. And I was like, oh, I don't want to do extras. I hate doing extras. But it was that little moment where, I, okay, if I do the extras, I'm going to be as prepared as I can be to take the field. Um, so Mark and Neil, thank you for that piece of advice. Now, my worst piece of advice I got was from a coach. I won't mention who the coach is, but he said that you should be so intense about the game that on game day, you should be fighting with everyone around you. Like he, used to, he said it like the way that he said it, you should be blowing with your misses. Like that was, <laughs> that was the way he put it. Like, so you should be like in this really intense um, focused state that, Everything around you should be blocked out and you should be angry in, in a sense that things around you. And I was like, eh. the older I got, the more I realized that that, that doesn't work. Because um, I was, I'd try and distance myself from people on game day, get in my own headspace and just worry about myself. When I had kids, I quickly realized you couldn't do that. Like the kids are going to be, dad, can we do this? Dad? Like, I'm not going to tell my kids to beat it. I've got a game, if, if I've got a game to prepare for. Um, so that was probably the worst piece of advice that I'd probably applied early. And then I changed it as I, as I got older. And that wasn't to say I was fighting with people around me. I just would block them out. So um, they're my pieces of advice that went either way. What about you, Sarah? Well, one that certainly comes to mind, I guess it's it was both the best and the worst because it probably didn't give me the comfort I needed. But uh, last year, Pacific Floor Test Series, Wallaroos in New Zealand, uh, we had four four games, uh, three games, sorry, within that tournament. And I didn't get selected for the first two. The second week comes along, I'm desperate. I'm sad. I call Morgan Turunui, who is uh, a, a former Wallaby and he's now a commentator as well. And he's grown to be a really good friend of mine. So I don't know why in the midst of all my tears, I think he's the bloke that I want to speak to. Flick him a message. Can we chat? Yeah, mate, I'll give you a call. So he calls that answer. First thing he says is, all right, other than not being selected, what are we talking about today? And I was like, oh, this guy. <laughs> and so him and I had a bit of a yarn and he goes, you know what it says? Sometimes you just got to eat the shit. I was like, what? He goes, sometimes you've just got to eat the shit. I was like, what do you mean? He goes, some days, you know, you might just be what the coach wants and he selects, but other days 
you're not what he wants and you just have to eat the shit. So cop it and uh, be better next week because if you're better, then you'll be selected. I was like, oh, okay, cool, thanks. So Smacked, um, smacked you in the face with it. Honestly, sometimes you just need a little bit of a some sobering up and that was a comment that just made me think, okay, yeah, cool, the world is a lot bigger than this little problem. Yeah. But um, so, yeah, thanks, Morgs. That's always stuck with me and it always makes for a bit of a, a crowd cackle when I'm you know called into a lunch to share a story. But a piece of advice that has always stuck with me, and I only heard it this year, um, it was by a wonderful lady called Rebecca Archibald. She is the team manager of Matatu. And she said to us, be brave, not perfect. And I think that is so applicable in every aspect of life. And particularly on the field, you can go out with the best intentions, have the most solid week of prep. And sometimes things just don't go to plan, but you just have to be brave and not perfect and everything else will work itself out. So I like that one more than Morgs. Morgs' piece of <laughs> advice, to be honest. So yeah, there you have it. Now, if you've got a question, you can send it through to our DMs on Insta. I'm at Dean Hullitel and Sarah's at Sarah Nangama. Now that I have my Instagram back. <laughs> <laughs> Can you be more Pacific on ABC Radio Australia? Oh, my God. You're with Sarah and Dean talking all things sport across the Pacific. Stick around. We'll spotlight our favourite socials, but up next, we'll look at selections in Play on Oran Report. This week, I'm bringing something to discuss for Play on or on Report Huller. And I'm really keen to hear your thoughts because it's been sitting with me for a little bit. But when should team selections be released? Now, for a bit of context, selections is always a little bit of a, a tough thing in team sports, right? Because it's your best people taking the field, which means while everyone is a good player, not everyone is going to get the opportunity to play. Now, I've seen this happen or take place two ways in a squad. I've seen players being given a heads up weeks in advance as to when they'll start or when, when they'll play. And then I've seen it happen week of which is usual practice. But I'm keen to hear your thoughts. Is there a point where it can be released too early? Yes, I believe so. If it's, I think if it's any time outside of the week of the game, I think that's on report. I don't think you should be naming the team weeks in advance because so much can change. Week-to-week performances, injuries, um, the pressure for, for someone young. Say you're going to debut someone in like two or three weeks' time and you let them know that they're going to debut. That's a long time to think about that upcoming match, if they're playing reserve grade in the weeks before that, they might wrap themselves in cotton wool a bit and not give their best performance because they're worried about getting injured. They might do the same at training. I think um, when you, you you leave too much space between the game and um, and when you select, if there's too much time, too much can change in, in that time and it can lead to disappointment or it can lead to a player yeah, not performing to where they should be at training. And, and like I said, in, in reserve grade matches the weeks before, I, I think the week of is, is, is prime. I think it's, um, it's current. It's based on what happened the weekend before, you know, that anything that happens. And that's also the same yeah, for, the, for the players that, that haven't been getting picked. What, what do they think if they know the team's going to be out two, week, two or three weeks beforehand? What, what can they do in the meantime, like say in reserve grade or in training that week to, to gain selection if they already know the team, the coach has made their mind up. They can't change his mind. But that's kind of my thoughts. What about you, Sarah? Well, I've seen, like I, I prefaced at the beginning, I've seen this take place two ways. And one play in particular I think of, she's a black fern, and she was told um, 
a week or two in advance that she wouldn't be playing, but there was a certain fixture that she would be playing and she would debut. And I think what that does to a player, while it can make them complacent and think, oh, well, then bloody hell, I'm not going to even be considered for X amount of weeks. It sets some realistic expectation. And so you think, well, when I go to training, it's not about me putting my best foot forward. Yes, I'll still train with the spirit of excellence, but my focus now is about putting my team first and preparing them to be the best they can be. So while I'm not opposed to coaches giving an early heads up, my, my annoyance with it is when they don't keep their word. And that's the hardest part. And that plays into your, your opinion of you should just release it the week of because so much can happen. So much can change. Injuries, niggles, suspensions, etc. So many things can happen that you may either be pulled in a lot earlier than what you thought you would be, or it may come to the week of and the people that you're competing with are having an absolute stellar of a season and there's no reason to change the roster around. So if you are a coach or anything like that and you are going to tell a player this is when I, I, I intend to play you, I think you have to keep your word because it's that part when you don't keep your word that you really compromise trust and then it becomes a little bit fluffy. Great point. And a quick story. I've, I've heard about this coach a few years ago in the NRL that would let players know the day of the match that they weren't going to play. So he'd- Wait, what? So they would, he would name a team on Tuesday, say, and then when it got to Saturday when they were playing, he'd call a player up uh, a few hours before the game and say, uh, change where you're going, reserve grades playing at this ground. You're playing there today. That's harsh. I don't know if I like that. So that's like cutting it really close, but also a bit of mind games in that one too. So that's either an indecisive coach and doesn't hasn't made up their final 17 before that point or a coach that's just been nasty. Well, there's a saying that I've said on this show and it comes to mind again, clear is kind, unclear is unkind. So if you're going to be the person that wants to, or the coach that wants to give, um, you know, clear early comms, be the person of integrity that follows through. But I'm actually much like yourself. I my personal uh, preference is give me the, the 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 team the week of. Yeah, good point. Now, if you've got something you want us to debate, then you can send it through to our DMs on Instagram. Can you be more Pacific? Keeping it social. I tell you what, Hala. Keeping it social, that is what I've been doing. I've spent so much time on my phone since my Instagram's been reinstated. It's so, pretty woeful, actually. So your lack of screen time has increased, been replaced by I think more. I think my screen uh, report was it is up by 11%. Well, it's not huge, 11%. That's 11% more than the past. Than before than you before, were yeah. removed, yeah. So I was like, oh, God, I think I, think I need to minimize so, my screen time again. But please never ever ban my Instagram. <laughs> but while I was scouring Instagram, I did come across something quite cool. As you know, this is a World Cup year. And the Wallabies had their first camp under Eddie Jones. They put up a video uh, on Insta just kind of highlighting or just showing snippets, I should say, of the boys in training, sweating, working hard. And it just filled me with a sense of excitement because I think, holy, I am excited to see what Eddie Jones does with Wallabies. I'm hopeful. I reckon they're going to go far, uh, far, far away. Is that good English? Go, go far. Go they're going to go far. They're going to go far. That's what I'm trying yeah, to say. Yeah, that, that makes sense. Yeah. They're going to go far this season. And I'm, I'm genuinely excited. Well, I'm, I'm excited too. And, and I know a few people that are around the, the Wallaby set up and um, they were interested to see how it went with Eddie Jones coming in. And he, I think he brings a lot of, um, he's got some really high standards that, he, that he's going to get the team to, which I think is going to put him in really good stead for, for the World Cup. So I'll be with you, Sarah. I'm going to, I'm going to be excited to see if they can, uh, 
go all the way, go far. Hala, what did you find? I know that rugby also stuck out to you this week. Yes, it did. And uh, last weekend in the Super Rugby, we seen the Fijian Drua head down to Canberra, take on the Brumbies. Now, fly half, and he plays for the Wallabies. Nick White, who you'd obviously appreciate. Halfback, halfback sorry, Nick White. Let me get my positions right in you rugby. You got it, you got it. Um, he's with uh, one of the players uh, from the Fijian Drua, Penny Matawalu, after the match, who's the fly half for the Fijian Drua. He's given him some pointers. This is only caught like in the in the cameras as they're wrapping up the match post match, and he's you can see him clearly standing there, like just directing him and showing him how to do something. Like oh, I'm not too sure you might be able to appreciate what he is actually describing to him better than I can. But I think that's pretty cool for for an opposition um, player to take the time out to to go through something post match after you've just done battle um, and and try and educate or share some some information with an opposition player. It's a really nice moment. This is on the Super Rugby Pacific Instagram page. I did see it and it is quite heartwarming content. It's not often you see opposition's uh, opponents, sorry, that's my English is a bit crazy today, (laughs) to see opponents uh, do a bit of advice sharing, but it's um, it it really goes to show Nick White's character and I I think that's a good one from you this week, Harlow. Thank you. Lots of rugby love this week. Rugby. Pacific on ABC Radio Australia and ABC Sport Digital Radio. Time to take a look at what's coming up this weekend in sport. Sarah, what has taken your eye? Well, something that's coming up quite quickly is the Pacific Oz Netball Series. This starts on Monday and there are a number of Pacific nations competing in the likes of Fiji, Samoa, Tonga and PNG. So this is really exciting. Tonga um, have been quite dominant in this competition and I expect them to, to put a number on it again. Yes, looking forward to this one. Thanks to Pacific Oz Sports, and it will take place on the Gold Coast all of next week. Now, also coming up is the World Rugby Challenger Series, uh, which is taking place in South Africa. Yes, this is a sevens competition, which will take place over two three-day weekends in South Africa. First one being 20th to the 22nd, and the following weekend, 28th to the 30th. What's hugely exciting about this is, particularly for the the, the Women's um, Challenger Series, is whoever wins that uh, qualifies automatically for the Seven World Series in 2024. So there's a bit to fight for. Yes, and the two Pacific nations that are taking part in this series are Tonga and PNG. Closer to home now, and the Super W is entering round five, the final home and away round of the year. Yes, this is hugely, hugely exciting uh, for the Waratahs. We're going to head down to the Melbourne Rebels. Unfortunately for them, they have nothing left to to play for. Um, their, their time will come to an end after this season. Oh, sorry, after this week. However, the fixtures that are one to look out for is Western Force v ACT, and then Queensland Reds versus Vijana Draw because. Both of those games are fighting for a spot in semis next week. So you've locked up the first spot. We've locked up. Queensland Reds, go and fight again against Drua. A bit harsh to the Melbourne Rebels. Nothing left to play for. See I mean, you later. It's their grand pride. final. They've got pride. Yeah, pride they've got pride. Play. And you know what? I reckon they're going to put a real number on us because we're heading to Burn City and they're passionate about their city. I still back you guys to get the win anyway. Thank you. Thank you. Super Rugby Pacific round nine. Yes, Chiefs v Drua. Now, what we saw of Drua last week is they were able to hold Brumbies to a pretty decent scoreline um, at halftime, but unfortunately they fell short. But Chiefs, they're sitting at the top of the ladder. What I'm really looking forward to is seeing Drua put on a number against Chiefs. 
looking at the numbers, they're not meant to win, but draw have shown that they're serious competitors and I want to see how they fare against the very top side. Yes, the draw, it's, it's a bit of excitement around the draw this year because they've had moments. So um, I'm looking forward to seeing that one play out as well. Now, flipping our attention to Rugby League, uh, Queensland Cup, the PNG Hunters take on the Burley Bears on the Gold Coast. And the Hunters have had a disappointing uh, game last week against the Northern Pride. So they'll be looking to change things up, up a bit. They've had a, a few personnel changes for this match, looking to perform a lot better against Burley and, and hopefully get the W. NRL round eight, it's Anzac round in the NRL. So there'll be, um, at the start of every match, there'll be a ceremony to commemorate and remember um, the Anzacs uh, as, as we do most years or every year, I should say. Uh, and the two matches that I want to highlight are, in fact, those that occur on Anzac Day, um, Tuesday the 25th. So it's a fair way away, but the Roosters taking on the Dragons, which is a traditional um, Anzac Day clash. It's always... Uh, a good moment, some very solemn moments before the match. And the match is always very competitive between both teams. So looking forward to that one. And also the Storm taking on the Warriors down in Melbourne, which will be another big one. And and particularly be interested in this one because the Warriors have had such a great season. They're near the top of the table um, under Coach Andrew Webster. They're having a, a great season. This one has gone the way of the Storm the last few years. So the Warriors will be looking to get one back. Just quickly, Dino, on that one, Storm have been hit and missed throughout this season and Warriors undeniably have been in better form. Who do you think will get the W? Uh, look, I think the Storm at home are going to be very hard. They're, they're a team that are always um, competing. They can, Even the games that they've lost and they haven't played so great, they've, they've always competed. But the Warriors have shown that they can stay for the 80 minutes this year because they, they've had to come from behind in all of their all of their wins that they've had. And um, they're a totally different Warriors team to what we've seen in the past. So... I said they're close. So I'm, I'm going. I'm sort of sitting on the fence with it a bit, but I think the, the Storm can get it done at home. Although they're going to be missing uh, Tui Kamakamita, which is a, a big hit. At the same time, they're getting Nelson Osofa Solomona back. So one big man out, one big man in, and yeah, I just think they're going to be too hard to beat down there in Melbourne. Well, you heard it here first. Melbourne Storm going to take it because Dean Hollitow said so. <laughs> I don't know about that. Don't forget, you can catch Andrew Moore and the Grandstand Rugby League team calling all the games on Radio Australia. Unfortunately, that brings us to the end of the show, but we'll be back same time, same place next week. Don't forget, you can find all of our episodes on the Radio Australia website. website. Don't forget, you can find all our episodes on the Radio Australia website or wherever you listen to your podcasts. More there. Let's all look here. Can you be more Pacific? An ABC Sport production for ABC Radio Australia. This program has been funded by the Department of Foreign Affairs and Trade.